You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Take your Bibles and you'll see a portion of scripture up here that we're going to preach from today. But it was something a little bit different. I usually uh, do not take this approach on a Sunday morning, but uh, we're going to use a little bit of the PowerPoint this morning to aid us in our study of this text. On Wednesday night, I used the PowerPoint, I preached from the PowerPoint, but this morning I'm going to do something that I've never done before, and that is use my notes as well as the PowerPoint together. And so we're going to see how that goes here today. We're experimenting on you. Uh, As I was uh, preparing this morning and getting ready for the morning service, I, I was so thankful for those who every Sunday come out to hear the Word of God. I I just kind of said that there's still people in this world who love the Lord and love His Word and come to an old-fashioned church where they can just hear the Word of God preach. We have nothing fancy to offer, but we have the best seed in the whole world to sow into your hearts today. And then I want to welcome those who are joining us on live stream. I Usually don't even think about that, but we have a number of folks that all over the world that come and join us on live stream, and so we want to welcome you today. We have a lot of our folks I shared in Sunday school. My phone was blowing up this morning, and even on the way here to church of some of our own members who cannot be here today because of sickness, and so we want to welcome them into the service as well. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 through verse 2, and then we'll drop down to verse 6. And I'll begin the message that the Lord, I believe, has laid on my heart. I've entitled the message, Cast Your Bread Upon the Waters. Cast your bread. Not someone else's bread. Cast your bread upon the waters. The book of Ecclesiastes, I've preached from it a number of times. I, years ago, I did a series through the book of Ecclesiastes. I really enjoyed that series. How many of you keep a diary? One. Years ago, everyone kind of kept a diary. But today, very few, and you can see that by the raising of one hand, keep a diary of their life. I know my wife journals a lot. of. Maybe I should have said it that way. How many of you journal? Oh, okay, three. Okay, good. But my wife has journaled uh, her life, our life together. I think a great heritage to leave behind to our children as they read through their mom and dad's life and the things that we've experienced in our walk with the Lord over the years. Well, Solomon left for us an inspired diary. This is the diary of Solomon's life. Be very honest of how he started his backslidings, and then his return to walking with the Lord at the end of his life. Here, chapter 11, he has some good words of encouragement to us. Uh, Verse 1 to verse 2. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it, not find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Verse 6, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not 
whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. Let's pray. Isaac, pray for us. Amen. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Now, what is Solomon really trying to communicate to his readers at that present time as well as to us centuries later? Cast thy bread upon the waters. Well, as I was studying this passage of Scripture, it's been in my heart and in my mind for years, but I've never preached on it, I've never studied it, I've never meditated on this passage of Scripture until the last couple weeks. And so, first of all, I thought, let's just stop for a moment and let's just do a word study on bread. Cast thy what? bread upon the water. So I went through the scriptures and I started studying everything that the Bible, comparing scripture with scripture, everything the Bible had to say about bread. And I discovered a lot of things. First of all, bread means bread. Interesting. I also found as I studied the scripture that it just refers in some cases to just food in general. It can refer to your daily sustenance. Give us this day our daily bread, our daily sustenance. It can refer to grain or wheat seeds. It can refer to money or wealth. Remember how there used to be an expression, he brought home the, he brought home the bread. Then I think it turned in, he brought home the bacon. And now it's, I don't know what he's bringing home. The word bread throughout Scripture is used figuratively. The Bible speaks, listen to this, it speaks of the bread of sorrow. Speaks of the bread of tears. And so I stopped to think, why does it refer to it as the bread of sorrow and the bread of tears? And I thought, you know what? Sorrow and tears is a part of our everyday life. As we live in this fallen world, there's a lot of sorrow and there's a lot of tears that we shed. Hallelujah, one day all those sorrows and tears will be over with. I also found that the Bible talks about the bread of wickedness. Well, there's a lot of people eating that bread today. Talks about the bread of wickedness and the bread of deceit. And in the same way, I stopped to think, boy, there is just a lot of wickedness today and there is just a lot of deceit in this fallen world in which we live. I understand why God calls it bread. But it's also used in a spiritual sense. Do you know the Bible says Jesus is the bread of life? The Bible says man shall not live. This is Jesus speaking. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So the scripture itself is likened unto bread. Cast your bread upon the waters. Now a skeptic reading the word of God would say, that's foolish. Why would you take bread and cast bread into the water? 
And when I read that, my mind went back. You know, I, for 21 years, I've been taking mission trips over into Asia. God has allowed me to be in 14, 15 different countries in the world, but mostly in Asia, ministering the gospel. And I'll always remember going into the Buddhist temples and watching the Buddhist monks as people would come and confess their, their, they would pay money to buy bread and they would confess their sins to the Buddhist monk and then he would transfer their sins upon the bread and he would go down to a pond or a river or a pool in which there were these carp and he would throw the bread into the water and the carp would come up and eat the bread and when the carp ate the bread then their sins were dissolved from them. That's stupid. <laughs> but that's what my mind went to when, because I've seen that. I've seen it several times as we've gone to the Buddhist temples. I want to tell you something. That's not how sin's taken care of. Sin is taken care of only through faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a fool would read uh, uh, this passage of Scripture and say, that's just, that just doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't cast your bread upon the waters. So the skeptics will scoff, and we may scratch our head and say, well, then what in the world does that mean? You know, the Bible says that we are to compare spiritual things with spiritual. There we go. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15 says this, And he saith unto me, says the apostle John, as he receiving the revelation, and he saith unto me, The waters, cast thy bread upon the waters. The waters which thou sawest, would you say this with me, are what? People, multitudes, nations, and tongues. People, multitude, nations, and tongues. When it comes to casting our bread, I don't believe he's referring to casting your bread upon literal waters, but that he's talking about casting it upon the sea of humanity. Casting your bread into people's lives, into the lives of multitudes, into the lives of nations and all tongues. Cast your bread upon the waters. The Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. At first we may say, boy, that sounds foolish. But when you begin to really realize what Solomon is talking about, it all begins to make sense. God is commanding. He is commanding you and he's commanding me that by faith we are to trust him, we are to believe in him, we are to do exactly what he tells us to do, we're to act in obedience and we're to take the bread that the Lord has given us and we're to cast it upon the waters. As I uh, was meditating upon this passage of Scripture, I put together, and this is no, I believe the King James Bible is the inerrant, infallible, preserved, perfect Word of God for us today. I believe that. But I did a little bit of paraphrasing on my own. This in no way is inspired, but this is. But to aid my understanding, this is what I wrote. Cast your bread, sow your seed, sow your substance, sow your wealth. Out over the surface of the waters into people's lives. And in many days, God says we will find it again. 
give a portion to seven and give a portion to eight. Let me explain this even a little bit further. There are some great rivers in the world. We think of the Mississippi River or the Ohio River here in our country. We think of the Rio Grande River or we think of the Amazon River. These, these are just a few of the great rivers scattered throughout this world. But the greatest of all rivers is the what? Is the Nile River. What an amazing river that God has created. The Nile River is the largest river in the earth. It covers 4,154 miles. It spans three countries. It covers a landmass of close to 1.3 million square miles. Unlike most rivers that run north to south, the Nile River runs south to north. And during the rainy season, the Nile River will overflow its banks and it'll cover hundreds of miles of farmland with its floodwaters. Each year, during the rainy season, farmers would go out as the rains would stop. The farmers would go out and they would get into boats. And they would take their seed, which would eventually become bread. They would take their seed and they would sow that seed upon the floodwaters. Very interesting. Now to us, we would say, why don't they sow it into the soil where they're assured of a good harvest? Because they had learned a secret. And that is, as they would take that seed and they would sow it upon the floodwaters, when the floodwaters would recede, the seeds then would go down into the soil and they would be covered by this silt. And as they were covered by the silt of the floodwaters, it was a perfect environment in which to cause those seeds to germinate and grow and be very fruitful. All that a farmer had to do was sow the seed and then trust God to give the harvest. I am sure that this agricultural secret was what Solomon had in mind when he said, Sow your seed upon the waters, for thou shalt find it not many days hence. As I said, if we've traveled throughout Asia, we have actually seen this over and over again. Taking the seed, sowing it into the waters. Once the waters recede, covered by the silt, very fertile. As I um, was spending some time in this passage of Scripture, I just want to thank you for paying my salary so I can study the Word of God on your behalf and deliver it to you. What a privilege that you have afforded to me as your pastor. But as I spent time in this passage of Scripture and, and wrestling it over in my mind, I, 
begin to think about some of the ways I've heard this passage of Scripture used. And I'm saying that there's not an application here, but I don't believe that what I'm going to share with you right now is the interpretation of this passage of Scripture. But some have used this to say, this passage of Scripture has to do with investing of your money. You know, the world of finance, and Ben touched on it a little bit today in Sunday school class, making wise investments. The world of finance is a huge gamble. It's a huge gamble. Markets go up, and right now we're at a high point in our The markets are as high as they have ever been in America. The markets are high, and some people have invested, and they are reaping right now a bountiful harvest. And they're excited about the stock market. But you've heard the expression, what goes up <laughs> must come down. If you have money to invest, you're blessed. Amen? Yeah, if you have money to, to invest, you are very much blessed. If you're wise in your investments, you can reap a good return. But here's the truth. You can also lose it all. That's the truth with investing. Investing really is a gamble. I remember back in 2008 when the stock market took that crash. I was in a store just it was Polly's right by our house just a couple days after the stock market had gone down. And I saw a fellow, I'm not a close friend with him, but we would consider ourselves friends. And he was in the grocery store. And I mean, he looked like he had lost his best friend. And I was concerned. And I went up to him and I said, what's wrong? He said, would well, you hear what happened a couple of days ago in the market? And I said, yeah, I kind of heard some rumblings about that. This is what he said. He had just retired. Just retired. He lost $180,000 in one day. That would depress anyone. Amen? Markets go up, markets go down. Financial markets are very risky. That's why it says, For thou knowest not what evils shall be upon the earth. We don't know. Right now, things look good, but tomorrow, they could be terrible. Give me an amen. amen. Now, I am not saying that you should not invest. Please do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you can invest and try to invest wisely, but with a blink of an eye, it all can be gone. The Bible says it may, wealth makes itself wings as eagles, and it flies away. I have heard Dave Ramsey, and I appreciate Dave Ramsey. How many ever listened to Dave Ramsey? Really appreciate his emphasis on getting out of debt. The debt-free scream that people give when they finally have broke loose from debt. So I appreciate listening to Dave Ramsey, but I've heard him on more than one occasion use this passage of Scripture to justify diversifying when it comes to making investments. And you should diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So when it talks about cast your bread upon the waters, give a portion to seven and also to eight, that has been used 
to refer to wise investing. Here's where I'm going with this. Most of those who were reading Solomon's inspired diary were not wealthy and did not have money to invest, and there was no stock market then. So very few of his readers, if this was just talking about investing and diversifying your, your investments because, you know, evil is going to come upon the earth, I don't think that's what it's about. Because Solomon had a lot of warnings also given to those who did have substantial wealth. Listen to some of the things he said about wealth. He said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. He that hasteneth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all of thine increase. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. There is that maketh himself rich, and yet he hath nothing. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. Nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This also is vanity. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. He, listen, he goes on and on and on and on and on, giving us warnings concerning being rich in this life. Throughout history, most of those in the family of God did not have the wherewithal. They did not have the financial blessing to take their wealth and invest it. We are... Stay with me or I'm going to turn the air on. We... We are very much blessed. I would say this, and I believe this is true, that we are undoubtedly the most wealthy generation in the history of the family of God. We are. But wealth can be very dangerous. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. The bread that the Lord gives to each and every one of us needs to be cast into people's lives. Give a portion to seven and a portion to eight. I wonder why that was making noise. So let me share with you the dangers that come along with wealth. I would uh, stop right now I'm not going to ask you to do this, but I would stop right now and, and ask you, and don't raise your hand, but say, how many of you have enough money that you've been able to take some of that money and you've been able to invest it? I would dare say that probably 
a good number of us would raise our hand. There's some of us who are still praying for our daily bread. But most of us are not praying for our daily bread. When was the last time you prayed for daily bread? No, you probably prayed, Lord, help me make wise decisions on how I'm going to invest my money or use my money or spend my money. Let me share with you some of the dangers that come along with wealth. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You say, why is that? Because we have a tendency to trust in our riches and not in the living God. Another, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are what? Called. Just doesn't happen. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Is that really what you want? For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some having coveted after have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Charge them that are rich in this world, and I think most of us, in comparison to the rest of the world, would be considered rich. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, don't be prideful about it, nor trust in uncertain riches. Uncertain riches. Quickly, they can be gone. Matter of fact, what do you have right now that cannot be taken away from you at a moment? You can lose your health. You can lose your wealth. You can lose your home. You can lose your children. You can lose everything just like that. There is only one thing that we have that we cannot lose, and that's our salvation. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness. See how deceitful riches are? The deceitfulness of riches... And the lust of other things choking the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Job said this, if I have made gold my hope, and I have said uh, to find gold, thou art my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined and the moon walking in the brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed. Enticed with what? Wealth. Or my mouth hath kissed my hand. Wow, you've done great. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. I'm going to tell you here right now, wealth is a very dangerous thing. You know why we have turned away from God as a nation? Want to know why? We're not in need. You know why when we go to Asia, we see hundreds of thousands of people make profession of faith in Christ? Why? Because they have a what? Because they have a need. So the command that is given to us in this passage of Scripture to take our bread... And give it to seven or give it to eight, I don't believe, has anything to do with wise investing. You want to know why? Because it says give. It doesn't say invest. It says give a portion to seven. Seven, the number of perfection, and then let's go over it by one. And to eight. Listen to what Solomon said. He said, there is a sore evil which I have seen under the sun... Namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their own hurt. 
Riches kept for yourself. Your money hoarded for yourself. Your money used for yourself. Your possessions used for S-E-L-F. Spending everything without even thinking about giving and ministering to the Lord and the needs of others. It's all about me. That is the world in which we live today. Those who have an excess of wealth are reminded by Solomon, do not hoard, but give as God has given you. Apostle Paul put it this way, distributing to the necessities of the saints to seven or eight. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Are you still with me? I know I'm touching a sensitive nerve today. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, those in need. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, say it with me, it is more, ready? It is more blessed to give than to do you believe that? Then look in your closet. Just walk around your house. Look at your bank account. As the Lord was doing the work in my heart, can I tell you something? You only have to deal with these messages for 15, 20 minutes. Plus. Yeah, I know. I'm usually one of those 45-minute even more preachers. And I'm sorry. I, I do feel bad about that, but I got over it a long time ago. <laughs> but I have to spend so much more time with the Lord over these things than you do. And I'm not listening to a preacher. I'm listening directly to the Holy Spirit as he's working in my heart what I have to give to you. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was not comfortable as I was preparing this message. I begin to realize as I look back over my life how many times I've eaten that bread for myself or for my family and I haven't cast it upon the waters. And so as I was thinking about all this, the Lord was just bringing thought after thought after thought to my mind. And so I want to share some of these with you. And uh, again, that's why I'm using the PowerPoint here, uh, so we can go through these quickly. There are 18 general principles in Scripture concerning wealth. And these are the things the Lord spoke to me about in this passage of Scripture. So I figured as long as the Lord was convicting me, I'd share that conviction with you. Always makes me feel better when the Lord convicts me and then I can use it to convict you too. But number one, we're going to go through these quickly. You cannot truly give your allegiance to God while at the same time trusting in and lusting after material things. Yes or no? Yes. The next one, we brought nothing into this world and there's one thing you can be certain about, you're not taking anything with you when you die. Another general principle. 
The lust for material gain makes us vulnerable to Satan's attack and destruction. We're wide open. Another one, the love of money is the source of all sorts of evil. Turns us away from the faith, causes us to be pierced through with many sorrows. Seriously, again, do you really want to go there with your wealth? Is that what you want with the wealth the Lord has given you? Isaac, turn the air conditioner on. Turn it down about 50. I'll get you shivering, at least I'll keep you awake. Greed is essentially idolatry. That's exactly what is stated in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. I was just kidding about 50, okay? I believe the temperature of heaven is going to be 69 degrees. Hey, all right. A few other people going to heaven with me there. The Bible says covetousness is idolatry because you're worshiping things. Verse 6, covetousness, because I thought about this because we just were talking about Balaam a couple Wednesday nights ago, who was a prophet of God, he was a man of God, but he sacrificed his relationship with God simply for the sake of money. Became a prophet for hire. Envy is the root of lust. All lust comes from an envious heart. Next, lust for wealth will never be satisfied. The more you have, what? Isn't that true? Why don't we get that? Wealth can be a severe disadvantage in keeping us from trusting the Lord. I trust Him. I have everything I need. Where your treasure is, what? I guess the truth is, probably, maybe not in every case, but probably, show me your credit card statement. And I could probably tell you where your heart is. Show me your checkbook. Bible said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Which, of course, is impossible. But he loses what? You have everything that this world has to offer, but you die and go to hell. Your life does not depend upon the abundance of the things that you possess. Who was it said that? I just preached on that passage last week. Who said that? Jesus said that. Remember the young man came, divide the inheritance with me? And my brother divide the inheritance with me? Storing up material things rather than striving to be rich toward God, the Bible says is foolishness. Lay up for yourselves treasures, what? In heaven, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. But listen, where is the majority of your investments? Where are they? Discipleship requires the willingness to put God before your money and before your possessions. 
This is why I'm telling you, this is why I have a real problem with people who work on Sunday. Sorry. There still is a Ten Commandments. Wealth could distort one's perspective. It can choke off spiritual fruit. Chokes the word. It becomes unfruitful. Nothing is permanent. Not even great wealth. Great wealth merely suggests, subjects the possessor to a greater temptation and a higher standard of judgment. To whom much is given, much shall be what? You'd be glad you don't have a whole lot. Because if you do and you have not used it wisely, you're going to stand and give an account to God for how you've used your bread. Covetousness is forbidden by Tenth Commandment. And then, of course, we have the whole issue of tithing, which I seldom speak about. No one can accuse me of ever staying up here. You know that preacher's always talking about giving money and he's always talking about tithing. And I don't do that. But tithing is the very first thing you should, do, you should do when wealth is obtained or there's an increase of wealth that comes to you. The very first thing should come to your mind is I need to tithe. So I'm going to talk about this just for a little bit by reading the scripture to you. Honor the Lord with thy what? With thy what? Remember I said bread is referred to as substance. Honor the Lord with thy substance with the first fruits of thine increase. That first tithe, that first tenth. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy precious shall burst forth with new wine. You know why it says new wine? Because new wine wasn't alcoholic. Amen? Didn't say wine, said new wine. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In, the, in your tithes and offerings. If you do not tithe, and above the tithe, give, when the Holy Spirit impresses you to give an offering above the tithe and you don't do it, what are you doing? Robbing God. We've got a lot of God robbers, don't we? You're robbing God. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. You don't bless people who rob from you. Wherein have we robbed thee in the tithes and offerings? Therefore you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church. That there may be meat in my house, and prove me herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a, a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Every man according to his purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudging or of necessity. God loveth the cheerful. Be excited about giving. Be excited about giving like those kids are excited whenever they come and give their money. They are excited about it. I know it's your money, but they are excited about it. On the first day of the week, let every one of you, first day of the week, the Lord's Day, when all God's people ought to be in church. On the first day of the week, let every one of you, young and old, rich and poor, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Who's prospered us? God. And the tithe belongs to him. So I want to put out a challenge to you today. And the challenge is this. Why don't you become a part of a church where every single person, 100% of the church membership tithes? Why don't you join us in that? 
You want God's blessing? Well, I certainly do. Do you want the windows of heaven to be open? Can I tell you something? This is better than investing. This is better than going to the casino. This is better than playing the lottery. Well, that was a little weaker, amen, the casino, but... Uh, I heard this statement, it really spoke to me. Giving is not how much you give, but how much you have left over after you give. Can we just say that together? Giving is not how much you give, but how much you have left over after you give. Of course, we got the story in the Bible of the widow that gave a mite. But how much was that mite? What was it? All, say it, what? All that she the religious leaders, they said they cast in much into the treasury. But that was not impressive to the Lord. They gave out of their abundance. I'm going to end with this today. Some of you may be here, and I know there's all different levels of income here in our church. There's some of you that have much, much more than others, and there's some of you who have very little. There's some of you here literally who do pray, give us this day our daily bread, and probably are saying right now, I can't afford to tithe. I'm just going to ask you to do something. Step out by faith, trust God, and see what he does. Okay? But maybe you're here today and you say, well, you know, you're talking about all this giving and all this excess and giving to seven and giving to eight. Pastor, I don't even really have any bread to give. You know, I thought about that as I was preparing this message. There was a time, I remember when my wife and I, we had eight children, and we were making $365 a week. Can I tell you, I could not count the number of times we were searching through our pockets, through the wash, trying to find enough change to go down and buy milk for my children. I remember one evening, my wife comes home, she, I, she'd go out shopping once a week, she'd prepare her meals based on um, um, double coupons, when Meyer used to run double coupons in the Sunday paper. People in the church, because... People in church would actually give us a Sunday paper because that was just extra money that we had to fork out for a Sunday paper. People would bring their Sunday paper and give it to us. And I'll never forget one evening, my wife wakes me up. I'm sleeping. She had been out shopping. It was late. She goes, Dan, you got to come see this. I said, i got to come see what? She goes, you just got to come see this. I said, honey, because I'm in bed. I'm sleeping, okay? No, 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 no. you got to come see this. And so, I mean, I'm half awake, you know, trying to go out, and I go, and she, she's, she's pulling me, okay? Pulling me down the hallway into our dining room, and here are boxes of cereal stacked in a pyramid all the way to the ceiling. A hundred and fifty-one boxes of cereal. I'm like, what did you do? (laughs) 
And she said, uh, she had all these double coupons. They were having a sale on cereal and, and they didn't have any limit on how many you could use. So she was using them all. And she had boxes lined up in her carts. Can you imagine pulling three or four carts through the store with boxes of cereal? So glad for a humble wife. I would not do that, but she did that. She said when she was checking out, someone said, I've heard of people like you. I know what it's like to have no bread. So let's say you don't have a lot. You do what you can with what the Lord and the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, but what, what do you do? So I, I got a few suggestions for you. I just want to close with this. First of all, we all can do good works, right? That doesn't cost anything to cast your bread of good works. The Bible says you have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men, especially those under the household of faith. You can cast your bread of good works upon the waters into people's lives. Another thing you can do is say an encouraging word once in a while. That'll go a long ways. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. You can sow some good words into people's lives. You can sow your bread of persistent prayer. Don't just say, I'm praying for you. But we all got time we can pray. Amen. Men ought always to pray. We can cast our bread of a godly influence. Remember what God would say, what God said? After a period of time, it'll come back to you. Cast those good works. Cast those encouraging words. Cast that persistent prayer. Cast a godly influence. Be an example of the believer. Cast your bread of service. Serve the Lord with gladness. Are you serving the Lord through your local church? Why don't you try casting your bread upon the waters, your service? How about your bread of faithfulness? The Bible said a faithful man who can find. Why don't you just say, you know what? I'm going to start casting my bread of faithfulness upon the I'm just going to be faithful to God. See if God doesn't return that to you. And then cast your bread of love. We all have a lot of love to give and casting it into people's lives. One of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy what? Neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. No, you may not have a lot of wealth to cast into people's lives, but maybe you can start casting some of these things. Let's read the verse together. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. We don't know what tomorrow holds. But if you're holding right now some bread in your hand, why don't you pray about casting it upon the waters? Let's pray.
You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.